when you are a kid, when you are a kid, one of the first things that you learn are personal uh, uh, possessive pronouns. Possessive pronouns. Mine. Mine. Ours. His. Hers. Yours. Theirs, right? And if you had a younger sibling, if you had a younger sibling, you often felt that your parents encouraged stealing. You want to know why? They would say these things to you. Honey, they're, they're younger than you. They don't understand. Honey, come on, honey. Please, please, let her have it. Give it to her. And you would say, but it's mine. Which leads to this commandment. Thou shalt not steal. When you're, on the, when you're the victim of theft, you want this commandment preached from the rooftops. And some of you want to go back to your parents and say, Mom, Dad, thou shalt not steal. It was mine. If you live in a house or an apartment with family or other people, you have a front row seat to the depravity of humankind. You do. Because things like this happen. Hey, hey, I, I have leftovers in the fridge from P.F. Chang's. Did you eat that? Or, hey, is it, have you seen my favorite pen? You haven't borrowed my favorite pen, have you? I'm not talking about the cheap pens from the bank. I, do you have, have you seen my favorite pen? Okay, and in my home, in my home, I know what this is because I buy cliff bars and cashews for kayaking day, and I will go to open up the cabinet, and that little tub will be empty, empty, gone. You know why that's the case? I live with thieves. That's what that's the problem is. Now, in all seriousness, I actually do know what it is to be the victim of theft. Um, one set of my grandparents did really well in life, my mom's uh, set of parents, and they had more than enough. And in their 50s and 60s, they had a very nice home in Las Vegas, Nevada, and a very nice home on the Virgin Islands, okay? And, and, and when my grandfather died, he left a family trust that had enough money in it for my grandmother to, be, to live comfortably the rest of her life. But some years later, it became obvious to us that she was suffering from some form of dementia or Alzheimer's. And when my mom intervened and flew out to Las Vegas to help, she discovered that the family trust had just $30,000 remaining in it, a trust fund that had a lot of money. See, the, the accountant had helped himself and the housekeeper had helped herself, and there was the guy that took care of the cars, and he had helped himself. And when they went to review the bank records, they discovered that there were $10,000 and $15,000 cash withdrawals on a regular, consistent basis. And the police told my mother, you can press charges, but you'll never see that money. Stealing can be serious business, okay? It can be serious business. And so I, I'm, I have a clear bottom line today. First of all, we're all thieves. I'll get to there in a moment, but we're all thieves. Secondly, you stop being a thief when you start giving. We're all thieves, and you stop being a thief when you start giving. Exodus 20, chapter 15 makes it very clear. You must not steal. Now, 90% of evangelical Christians in America say they uh, they never violate this commandment. 
In other words, 90% of evangelical Christians say, I just don't steal. I've not broken this commandment, which means that 90% of evangelical Christians are what? Liars, <laughs> liars. And again, we'll get into that in a moment. Now, in the ancient world, there was not much to steal. There were pot sheds, uh, there were tools, there were weapons, there were animals, and there were people. You didn't have much to steal. Uh, and, and so back then, you had to worry about somebody carrying off one of your newborn lambs. And the word ganaf, you must not ganaf, means you must not carry off, you must not carry away. That's what the word means, literally, to carry away, to carry off. Um, and I want to read through a summary of what it means, okay? So ganaf includes burglary, breaking into a home or building to commit theft, robbery, taking property directly from another using violence or intimidation, larceny, taking something without permission but not returning it, hijacking, using force to take goods in transit or seizing control of a bus, truck, plane, etc., shoplifting, taking items from a store during business hours without paying for them, pickpocketing, purse snatching, and it also uncovers, uh, covers things like embezzlement, the fraudulent taking of money, extortion, getting money from someone by means of threats uh, or intimidation, and racketeering, which is uh, uh, obtaining money by any illegal means. Martin Luther put it this way. Martin Luther said that we violate the Eighth Commandment whenever we take advantage of our neighbor in any sort of dealing that results in a loss to him or her. Okay? So uh, let me walk this out. When you... When you call State Farm because they're such a good neighbor, because somebody rear-ended you, and you report the dent also in that accident that you made backing out of the driveway, that's stealing, <laughs> right? Because that other dent, you made that dent, that didn't come in the accident. When you use copyrighted material without paying for it, that's stealing. When you plagiarize someone else's ideas without credit, that's stealing. When you don't put in an honest day's work, in other words, you show up and you're there for eight hours, but like three or four of them are on social media and gaming and doing other things, that's stealing. Uh, when you install a deck and the customer is paying for premium lumber uh, and you put in the mid-grade lumber and pocket the difference, that's stealing. Um, and, and on and on it goes. All those pens and office supplies, you know, that, that came from, like, that's stealing, right? You know this? Okay, so I just want to draw this out. Um, and it's not just us. It's them, okay? So, like, when companies lay off two people and they turn to the one person left and they say, now, because the labor market's so tight and we know you can't go anywhere, not only are you going to do your job, you're going to do their two jobs too. <laughs> that's stealing, that's stealing. When companies take transactions and assets and offshore them and, or keep them off the books to avoid tax, that's stealing. Okay, there's, stealing has all kinds of forms. Uh, when a tornado blows through town and all of a sudden gas is $10 a gallon or a bottle of water is $5 a bottle, price gouging, that's stealing, that's stealing. Um, when you go to Kroger and you just have an emotional need for ice cream and you get the ice cream and you get the ice cream home, that half gallon of ice cream, only to discover, no, it's 1.5 quarts of ice cream in that gallon, that you've gotten 25% less ice cream, that's stealing, that's stealing. Charging 29% interest or 400% interest is stealing. J. Ellsworth Callas says this, 
Uh, he says, how dare I vote against school taxes unless they're manifestly unwise when someone else's taxes paid my education long ago. In other words, we can steal from other generations. I've gotten a front row seat to this. I've been at school board meetings in our community where older people will show up and they're fighting $14 more a year that they're going to have to pay because they don't have kids in their house and why should they have to pay for it, right? Stealing. It's stealing. Um, can we all agree now that I've kind of given an overview that okay, all of us steal, <laughs> all of us steal. It's kind of like uh, Bing Crosby's character in White Christmas has this great line. Didn't you know? Everybody's got a little larceny in them. And it's true. Everybody's got a little larceny in them, okay? So in, in Exodus chapter 22, the Israelites are actually given a whole set of, well, what if this happens? Scenarios, okay? And it's just amazing. If someone steals an ox or a sheep and then kills or sells it, they got to pay the five oxen for every ox and four sheep for every sheep. And, a, and if a thief's caught, you know, and it, on and on it goes. If this happens or if someone steals this or if an animal dies because it's under the care of another person and they're negligent and I mean, just all this stuff, all these specific scenarios. And, and so when you, when you break this commandment, when you steal from someone else, you had to pay back what you had taken plus a surcharge. It could be as little as 20% and then it went up, up from there. So if I took or, or you know, uh, frauded out of you 100 bucks, I at least owed you 120. In the book of Joshua, we get a front row seat to a young Israelite soldier who takes some items that are supposed to be devoted to God. And in, in Joshua chapter six, it says this. Uh, the seventh time around, as the priest sounded the long blast, he said, shout, the Lord has given it to you. But here's the key thing, verse 18. Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction. Everything made from silver, gold, bronze, iron is sacred, must be brought into the treasury. At some point after the city of Jericho falls, a young man, a young soldier named Achan comes across a tunic 200 silver coins and a bar of gold. And he takes these items and he goes into his tent. And because it's a tent, his family that lives with him, they know what he's done. He buries it under the tent. They don't rat him out. No one says anything. Wink, wink, nod, nod. And there it lies. And it hits the fan, right? That's Joshua chapter seven. The Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why are you lying on your face? Israel has sinned. Notice one thing one guy did, and, and God's all hot and heavy about it. They've stolen some of the things I commanded to be set apart for me. They've not stolen, but have lied about it and hidden them. And so they go through this long thing where, where God says, I'll point out the person, and, and they, it thins out. If you're from this tribe, step forward. If you're from part of this clan of this tribe, step forward. And all of a sudden, Achan had this moment where he's like, oh, and he's caught. And not only does he lose his, his, his family, he loses his life, he loses everything because he took something that belonged to God. And the irony, of course, is that the tunic and the silver and the gold that he had taken, was he ever gonna be able to wear that tunic? No. Could he have ever pawned it or sold it? No. And do you know what? It, in today's dollars, it was a $500 suit, it was about $200 in silver, 
and it was a several thousand in gold. So not even enough to live on for a year, right? And he did this. In the Gospel of Luke, we have someone else who's stolen. Um, and it also happens in the city of Jericho. Ding, 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 connection, Jericho, okay? In the city, so we encounter a government bureaucrat who is skimming money off the top in order to live like a king. And so after encountering Jesus, something happens to him. Now, in the Roman system, the way it worked, when Rome conquered a town, they would choose from among the town people someone to be the tax collector, the chief tax collector, because they wanted somebody that was knitted into the community, that knew all the families and knew who had what. Because Rome didn't want to be cheated out of what Rome was supposed to get. And they would say to this person, now look, this is how much we want. Whatever you collect above and beyond that, that's yours. And here's a Roman legion to make it happen. Go get it. Now, because of how that worked out, if you lived in Jericho, it was one of your own people that became this tax collector who knew what you had and who got it from you. Think of how angry you would be, right? They hated Zacchaeus. In fact, in the uh, rabbinic Mishnah, um, the rabbi said this, it's okay to lie to a tax collector because tax collectors aren't human, they're animals. And we know that lying to an animal isn't a sin. Are you getting the animosity they felt? <laughs> okay, imagine if your pastor stood up one day and said of an entire group of people, they're animals, you get <laughs> the commandments of God don't apply, not even human, <laughs> don't worry about it, okay? So in Luke chapter 19, we get what happened. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus, this is the man, the, the chief tax collector, stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, and if I've cheated people on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Zacchaeus is a changed man. Unlike Achan, same city, same kind of stuff going on, but because he's encountered Jesus, and we know from Exodus chapter 22, this isn't just 20% more. How much is he gonna pay back? 400%. This guy's motivated to make things right, isn't he? I mean, he's motivated. Tim Keller says this in, in writing about all of it. He says, you've not stopped being a thief, biblically speaking, when you have stopped taking. No, you've stopped being a thief when you start giving. Because the antithesis of taking is generosity. And, and so I wanna unpack this some more through application, all right? But in light of what we've just read in Exodus and from uh, Joshua and from Luke, let me ask a couple of questions. And the first question is this. When has stealing ever brought you joy? Come on. When is taking something that isn't yours, cheating someone out of something, when has that ever brought you unbridled joy? Here's what I know. When you steal, you pay with a piece of your character. Even though no one may ever find out, the truth of the matter is God knows and you know. And your self-respect takes a hit. Um, Callus says this, guilt grows on the inside of us like kudzu. Um, and I know this from my own life. There were, uh, 
once as a young man, I, I stole on a paper, I plagiarized and I didn't credit and I knew it was wrong and it was bad. And let me tell you, I had to go back to that person. Here's the deal and fess up because it was racking me up on the inside. So again, when is stealing ever brought you joy? And then secondly, would your family or friends or a courtroom jury be able to rightly accuse and convict you of being generous? Could that happen? So how do we apply something like this commandment, right? You must not steal. Um, and I've got several things. And again, as with all things at Generations, I want things to be as practical as possible. First of all, for some of us, we know we've cut corners. We, we know we've cheated some people. Repent and make restitution. It may be going to that person and saying, I, it was wrong of me, I'm sorry. And try and make it right. Um, when I was a young man, my dad insisted when, we borrowed, when I borrowed somebody's car, I could not return the car unless it had a full tank of gas and it had been washed. Why? It wasn't about the gas, it was about the relationship. Okay, and so when we've taken something from someone, it harms the relationship. And so make the relationship right. The second thing, uh, point of application is, and I would wanna say this to all of us who are younger, yes, stealing always has a victim. Stealing always has a victim. I sometimes hear, oh, come on, Max, it's just a corporation and they're taking advantage of us anyway, come on. It's all part of a corrupt system, it doesn't matter. Did you know that 5% of the cost of an item is because of just shoplifting alone? That thing that you pay a dollar for, five cents of that is because people just walk out of stores with stuff. When you factor in all the kinds of theft that go on all along the way, up to 30% of the cost of something is because of theft. In other words, that gaming system that's $400, if we all just obeyed the eighth commandment, would really be a $280 gaming system. Don't tell me there's no victims, okay? Stealing always has a victim. So that's what I would want some of us to know. Lastly, generosity is what God wants. Um, generosity is the proof of a transformed life. Um, and it isn't about a number. Um, sometimes people will obsess, well, you know, if I'm gonna give, should it be $20 or $1,000 or $10,000 or, it's never about a number, it's always about a percentage. And here's how I know that. We live in Jesmond County, I've mentioned this before, we live in Jesmond County. The richest family in Jesmond County is the Cormans, right? The Cormans are the richest family in town. Why? They have their own runway and they have several jets. You don't, okay? You don't have those. And so what happens is when there's a need in the community, somebody or lots of somebodies will say, well, the Cormans ought to. And there's this latent expectation that because they have so much, they should be what? Generous. And, and it's built into us. Well, here's the thing. You may not know this, but three billion people on planet Earth live on less than $2.50 a day. So in other words, if you're making over $900 a year, there's about three billion people that would stand outside and like we would say of the Corman family, they would say of us, come on, you know, you really ought to <laughs> ante up. 
uh, press in. In, in Malachi, uh, at, the, at the end of the Bible, in Malachi chapter three, God has some uh, other things to say. And he says, um, it's Malachi chapter three, verse eight. He says, should people cheat God, yet you've cheated me? And you, and you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? And he says, you've cheated me of tithes and offerings due to me, and you're under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring him to the storehouse so there'll be enough food in the temple. And if you do, I'll open the windows of heaven for you. I'll pour out a blessing so great, you won't even have enough room to take it in. In other words, God takes it very seriously. Um, Kent Hughes, who was pastor of College Church, long time in the, in the uh, 80s. Uh, I don't have the quote up there. I'll read it to you. Kent, uh, he says this. He says, every time I give, I declare that money does not control me. So every time I give, I declare that money does not control me. Jenny and I learned this when we were in our 20s. Uh, we just started giving back to God through our local church. As an, and we didn't, the math didn't work. We didn't think we could handle it. And we just did. We did it as an act of obedience and faithfulness. And I know because we live in America, sometimes we Americans get kind of crotchety because, um, you know, there's all these people that live high on the hog off of other people's generosity. Can we just be honest? Some of them are in Texas. <laughs> okay. And so, right, and, and other states. <laughs> Uh, but here in this place, if you give back to God through Generations Community Church, come on, the highest paid employee makes 36,000 a year. There's nobody that's got a jet because of what goes on here. Money here goes to the food pantry. It goes uh, to other places in the world that I can't even say because they put this online, <laughs> okay? And it does some things, okay? So if you give back to God and you put some of that here, right? It's, it's working hard, okay? So generosity is what God wants and is proof of a changed life. And it's not just generosity of money, but let's be honest, as Americans, we sometimes have a tight hold of money or money has a tight hold of us. And what you find is when you let go of that, it just, it, it's easier to let go in so many other places of your life. Um, time and, and all kinds of other things. It just, it's an unlocking thing. When Jesus was crucified, he was crucified between two criminals, but they were what? Thieves. They were thieves. Again, ding, 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 connections. Okay, and so he says, uh, he says that one thief says to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Does Jesus say to the thief, well, I'm sorry about your luck. That ship has sailed. Too bad for you. Is that what he says? No. I assure you, today, you will be with me in paradise. Some of us, we need to make restitution. Some of us need to realize that uh, stealing always has a victim. Some of us need to learn to walk out in greater generosity. Uh, but what I ask of you today is, just like Zacchaeus, let Jesus into your house. Let him into your house. Yes, he'll change you. Yes, things will change, but it'll be for the better because you'll be much freer and, and, and you'll live out the life of generosity that God wants for all of us.